1: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you For 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
2: the center of the galaxy this is the force center podcast feed and this particular episode of the force center podcast feed is the clone wars report <laughs> dun, 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 dun,
3: dun. <laughs> invasion
2: of Geonosis. <laughs>
3: uh
2: that is great i would listen to your entire audio book where you just uh, sort of make close to noises for the sounds of specific episodes <laughs> there you go there you go Great drums of war from the mouth of Ken Nabstock. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. We are here to discuss two great episodes of the Clone Wars. We are into season two. We're going to be discussing season two, episode five, Landing at Point Rain. It is written by Brian Larson and directed by Brian Callan O'Connell. And then season two, episode six, Weapons Factory. This one is also written by Brian Larson and it is directed by Giancarlo Volpe. It's great to uh, be going through these episodes and seeing some of these names pop up again and again. And as you uh, do such a good job of reminding us all the time, Ken, of uh, of just really paying attention to what a what a team there was working on the Clone Wars.
3: Mm. I feel like uh, I'm an annoying schoolmarm, but yes, no, you're right. No,
2: you're right. Um, no, you're right. I mean, it's partially it is just you know, uh, human brains can only uh, take mm-hmm. in so much, but I, but we tend to. When we discuss entertainment, lean toward the big names that we know and then, you know, seeing specific names crop up again and again, it is just such a good reminder of like these people were really in the trenches uh, making these episodes and all this great Star Wars storytelling as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it's certainly not a swipe at Filoni. And I believe Filoni would be the first to say, look at all these wonderful people that it made it. It's just eh, cult of personality, celebrity culture sometimes takes over. And if you're a, a knowledgeable Star Wars guy in a cowboy hat, you're going to get remembered. <laughs> and You are you know, all the behind the scenes featurettes, you're going to get remembered. And it's not, nothing against him, but wonderful teams, especially early seasons, just a lot of great names working on this stuff. So I love that you highlight who, uh, who wrote and directed. them.
2: Yeah, yeah. A lot, of, uh, a lot of this is obviously uh, flowing from Lucas and his uh, uh, young apprentice at the time, uh, Dave Filoni. Now Dave Filoni has become a master, but many great people working with them as well. Here's my summary of these two episodes. Are you ready, Ken? Yes, sir. The war rages on. After Padme's espionage mission revealed Poggle the Lesser's massive new droid foundry, the Jedi and the Republic are determined to retake the Separatist planet Geonosis. Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Ki-Adi-Bundi devise a daring three-pronged attack to destroy the shield generator that is protecting the Foundry. Oh no, but they face heavy Mm -hmm. opposition from the Geonosians and they said their entire plan out loud in front of Chancellor Palpatine and it really seems like he just straight up told the Geonosians. Most of their forces are therefore shot down, but using a combination of patience, intuition, and direct assault, the Jedi heroes take down the generator. Wounded, Obi-Wan and Ki-Adi depart. Anakin and Ahsoka are then joined by Luminara Unduli and Barriss Offee, who have a daring plan to sneak the Padawans through the catacombs underneath the foundry and plant explosives. The Padawans succeed, but are buried alive in the rubble Anakin expresses both fear of losing his Padawan and great belief in her abilities. Luminar expresses the importance of accepting loss. In between this philosophical debate, the Padawans are actually rescued.
3: But what horrors await them next? Dun, dun, dun! Uh, Well done. I... Reason I, I just love uh, your summaries for a lot of reasons, but a lot of times in watching these episodes, I'm I you know taking notes or knowing you know hey, here's here, here, here's what we might discuss. I'll can kind of narrow focus on themes or a scene that makes me think. Oh, this episode is about this, and sometimes little context plot details kind of escape me I love the the, the highlight of, of uh, they say all the plans to Palpatine.
2: <laughs> yeah it's a great little thread we can talk about it more when Maria uh, looking at her sort of justice of the Jedi but it, it isn't they don't put a spotlight on it but that's what yeah. is actually motivating the plot the events that happen
3: <laughs> uh, it's a great pull great stuff great stuff
2: excellent let it, let's uh dive into your overall reaction did you love it like it struggle with these two episodes where we you at
3: Oh, man, this is a big win. This is a big win here. Uh, I love it. And and uh, I'll start here. This is uh, clearly just a very D-day, D-Day style invasion. And it's interesting. You, we talk about the, who's on this show, who's creating the show, and we cannot forget George. Again, I always uh, uh, slip into those featurettes that are on the older StarWars.com articles. Uh, Kristen Baver puts out great stuff. I, I can't recommend enough. Y'all check them out. There's always some little featurettes and there was a real funny one with Filoni talking about, uh, we can talk about later about the, the, the shapes, a uh, Jedi cutting walls and how they learned that and everything really actually pretty funny. Um, but there, I, there the little making of here. They, George said, I want this episode like a D day style invasion, you know? And then they made it and halfway as they were making the episode with time running out, George comes in and goes, this isn't hidden. This is not good. Start over. Wow, and this so what the episode, particularly the first one, they really up against uh, the wall had to re really um, do this, and Dave gives like the team just did it, and and I kind of come in. Uh, he even joked, "I'm I'm here to put you back on schedule." I'm the Vader of it all here a little bit. Uh, inside of the name of uh, Moff Gerard and even the <laughs> Emperor George, kind of coming in, blowing up our <laughs> blowing it all up there. Um, really fascinating, and 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 especially to see that, and then to see just at this episode. Um, and and I just love it. It's an important battle in the Clone War. This this return to Geonosis, which is a return to a great location, um, and this is kind of one of those arcs that I think fans can remember loving. And so it kind of has this um, like follow me like a poster child vibe for the series, like Clone Wars. Oh yeah, fighting, cool Star Wars action, which is important, which is why you and I always you and I always discuss what's our favorite action moments in the Clone Wars because it's so key to the. Key to it. And with George, George, you know, cut up uh, even more World War Two footage for this episode. <laughs> Make it like this. He he's did that much like he did in, in the original you know, Star Wars. Um, so I, all that to say, Joseph, I really loved it. Uh, I never want to underestimate the importance of war in Star Wars. So I love that hear for that. But I'm interested uh, and was interested to see how I personally, Ken Napsack, will would look at this episode now looking at it a little more thoroughly than I did before and, and found this episode, these episodes even more rewarding uh, with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, overall, loved it and and uh, love diving in.
2: That is so great. I'm glad you watched those vignettes. I try to uh, remember to watch them, but sometimes I drop the ball and watch them myself. So I love hearing the uh, the fresh info from you live as we record on those featurettes. Um, yeah, I'm with you in really loving this episode or this this arc. And we broke it up. It's this uh, four-episode arc that kind of is this great serialized storytelling. Sometimes I bang on about wanting a little bit more vibe of um, cliffhanger. And Mm -hmm. it, it isn't, you know, the literal cliffhanger of like, and now they're trapped, and what will happen next? Tune in next week. It never has that, but it's really got this vibe of serialized storytelling of... Here here's the first episode in this they try to take down the shield generator then the next episode they're trying to destroy the actual foundry and then the two episodes after this we'll get into the the great uh Star Wars zombie movie that that spreads yeah. out of all of this and continues the story uh, in lots of different ways. So I love the serialized storytelling. These two separate episodes kind of feel like a, a, an arc but they're also part of this longer GNOcean Ocean arc, but the big thing for me as you said these are war big capital letters uh, three exclamation points these are war episodes Mm -hmm. and i feel like it it is it's so important because it is absolutely as a viewer it is you know thrilling and shocking and scary and all these great things that that are why humans watch conflict right that they're because they uh you know they they're both a safe way to view these things and think about these things and to be thrilled by these things. Uh, but it's also very star Wars about the way it is dealing with war, because I feel like mm. what it sounds like uh, that, that George successfully got from this great team of creators is to really make you feel the horror of war. Like yeah. you can just sit and watch this and it's thrilling because it's star Wars action, but it is really horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like for me, we dive into it. When we get into the themes, I, I can really enjoy the thrilling, shocking, horrible war because I feel like these episodes are offering ideas of how to cope with war with loss and chaos yeah. Yeah. and fear and that's what makes it really powerful on that uh, next level uh, beyond just the sort of the visceral horror of war um, and I I really liked that these have a lot of different characters but these are, these are Anakin and Ahsoka episodes they're about their uh, unconventional relationship and is that what are the benefits of that? What are the downfalls of that? Is it okay? And we get to kind of see the Anakin and Ahsoka relationship not only through their actions, but I love these episodes where we see their actions through the point of view of other Jedi, of Kiara mm-hmm. Mundi and Luminara and Barris and all that. And then, um, so I feel like it's, a, it's, a, it's an important, uh, couple of episodes in continuing to build the Anakin and Ahsoka relationship. And my final kind of overall mm-hmm. thing that I just love is. This uh, this place, this planet, this aesthetic of Geonosis, of the Geonosians with their different technology, their different way of combat, their different vehicles. There's always, even in Attack the Clones, there's this strong element of horror to the Geonosians, which is going to be turned to 11 in the next two episodes that we're going to discuss. But even in this episode, it's got this great contrast of the Jedi have their way of fighting, the clones are pretty... Traditional military, and then the Geonosians are just like we're going to do a bunch of weird things you can't anticipate because <laughs> we're just weird, creepy <laughs> Geonosian, uh, you know, insect characters.
3: Oh man, yeah, uh, you, yeah, right there. I can't wait to dive into themes here because uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely picking up picking up the same things that this episode's uh, put down and 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 and, and saying one fine big big overall thing. It's I think uh, it's so fun, which is weird because it's bittersweet because it ends bad for these two characters but anakin ahsoka and their relation what you can learn and, and just the real simple not subtle lessons that are put out there f- about attachment and loss and what it all means they continue to kind of just jump out me jump out at me more like a geonosian in a cave uh, <laughs> or uh, more now on this rewatch and uh been just a lot of fun just watching their uh, relationship bittersweet as it is
2: but absolutely fun. absolutely this is yeah it this is uh these episodes are like, to me, a happy moment on a march to tragedy, right? Because they they do really build the the trust between Anakin and Ahsoka.
3: Some of that food in that Titanic was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I understand that music the band played was was great. Uh, all right, let's talk about the morals of the episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. The first episode has the on screen moral of believe in yourself, or no one else will. And then the second episode has no gift is more precious than trust. How did these grab you?
3: Did you, uh, did you like those? Did one of them speak to you more than the other? Uh, yeah, love, love them. Uh, I'm going to try really hard to not just force the conversation into the themes out of the morals, even though it's sometimes <laughs> it's a big mishmash. But I, I feel sometimes I do I'm like, here's the morals, actually the theme. Now I, um, I, inter- I, I love both of them. And it's so funny it, since you and I've been doing these colonel reports, especially early on, I was, uh, a lot of like Coach Ken has a coaching point out of this episode well, that's suddenly returned tenfold in this episode because it literally is an episode about coaching.
2: I, I was feeling that watching this. I was like, oh man, these are great Coach Ken episodes. He's <laughs> he's coming out with the little league
3: on this one because he should. Ken's got his baseball clipboard, He's ready to teach some kids. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyways, the the believe in yourself or no one else will. Here's what I interpret it this way. Is uh, knowing yourself in the face of overwhelming odds and situations is, is what's important here, um, and that's how I interpreted this kind of belief. It is uh, we're going to discuss that. Just there's a lot of chaos, and how well you know yourself, and know what you're capable of, and know what you've trained for is actually just in you. And you can connect to that with all the noise around you is going to, going to perhaps lead to your very survival or going to lead to success. Um, Not just in war, but the office. All right. It's all kind of there. And I really, that resonated with me. I I, I love that idea of uh, belief in yourself. Isn't just a, Looking in the mirror, giving yourself a wink and saying, I got this, which, by the way, is valuable as well. Or I look good before I head to this birthday party. All valuable things but <laughs> believing in yourself and having confidence. But what this episode was trying to, for me, trying to it just kind of communicate uh, was this idea of like, uh, you, a lot of times no one else has time to give you. It's not like this episode, there's a little bit of Anakin kind of d- doubting or struggling with Ahsoka. But like, Obi-Wan doesn't have time to believe in you. He has to hope you can believe in yourself or he might die yeah you know and that's that's what spoke to me and the the trust one pretty you know trust breeds confidence to me confidence can breed success for everyone and all that kind of stuff but that one 205 episode 205 that really got got me
2: yeah i think that was powerful because episode 205 is a a little bit more all action all the time and and Mm -hmm. the ideas in it are very much uh based on the actions uh as much as there is, uh, as they are in the dialogue, but I almost feel like they're a little bit more in the action, and it feels to me like exactly what you're saying of like all these different characters are going into a chaotic situation that they cannot entirely control, mm-hmm. and they have to rely on their own strengths to get them through this. And for me, it reminds me of like times in life where you know there isn't a right way; it is the individual's way to get through the problem. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think of creative uh groups I've worked with where sometimes myself or somebody else will have to say to me of like I can't explain to you why this choice is the right one I just have the instinct I know it's right for me I know this will work for me and if I can just follow my path then this particular part of the the creative problem will be solved and it will work for the audience and uh in it not to compare doing a live theater to uh, actual <laughs> armed conflict. But that that to me is what it felt like of like the Jedi in this story know what they are capable of. They know how they can navigate through the chaos and yeah. and they need that trust from from one another uh mm-hmm. to follow their their own way and get through it. Um yeah. and, and the second one to me is like, yeah, yeah, it's great, it's strong, but it does feel like it is it is uh really underlining the story between Anakin and, and Ahsoka and a lot of morals yeah. in Clone Wars about trust, as there should be, uh, because yeah. trust is a big, important thing. But it, that one does feel to me a little bit more straightforward of no gift is more precious than trust.
3: Yeah. And, and but a gift, uh, great if you receive it, but really more important to give it. Uh, and, and, and that's where I think the episode comes uh, down on is, is giving it is is uh, is a great gift to, uh, to give. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right
2: Maybe there's a, a moral at some point in the Clone Wars about re-gifting trust, and that one will be more complicated, but this one's <laughs> there, yeah. nice and crystal clear. Well said. Let's dive into the big picture ideas. Uh, I had a couple ideas about kind of the way I uh, thought through them and broke them down, but I, I think we're going similar places. So why don't you uh-huh. jump in with, uh, what, what are you thinking? How, how, did it, how did the big picture ideas make sense to you as you thought through them all? Yeah.
3: I'll start with the, the smaller one. It's it's not smaller in terms of uh, you know a lot of stuff going on in this episode. But you touched on it, and I, I think it's there. It's, uh, we got the horrors of war met with the games of Anakin and Ahsoka, kind of this Gimli and Legolas inspired counting of of <laughs> kills. Uh, and to me, that's a, a little bit of a theme of mental survival in the face of things you probably maybe can't comprehend. And and the button of Kieti Mundi kind of uh, playing the game is is funny, especially with the you know. Obi Wan, who who has just been you know put in a tough spot. Obi Wan's not feeling <laughs> good here. I I, I want to justice for Obi Wan again of just like he's not being dour. He's like, uh, you all I almost died, and you're counting kills like it's a fun game. But it, it that's part of the theme too, uh, uh, an underlying theme in the episode of just like how in the face of 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 just trauma or overwhelming odds or things like how do you process it? And there's no no not necessarily a right answer, but this is how they did and and how they chose to, and, and I, and I kind of like that as a, as a minor theme.
2: Yeah, I love that. I, I kind of grouped a bunch of thoughts under the big picture umbrella theme of coping with war, and that's the idea that really, in that the first episode's arc, that made me really look at everything from that perspective, or, or most everything from that perspective, and it's so great because it could just come off as, uh, you know, there's some episodes of Clone Wars where, Anakin and Ahsoka kind of uh, bicker banter or, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of bicker and banter. And it sometimes it's just like fun and flavor. Other times it's real meaningful. And this just felt so meaningful because it feels like Anakin and uh, everybody else is really concerned. This is an extremely difficult and important battle. They're, you know, having some losses already in the war. They're having to retake this place. You know, the stakes are really high. And then here come in Anakin and Ahsoka joking around. And, and the episode really kind of successfully raises that question of like, is that appropriate? <laughs> Why yeah. are they doing that? And then it answers it so beautifully and so well with the, that end of Obi-Wan saying, I'll never understand how you can simplify these battles into some kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, uh, Ki-Adi-Mundi coming in with kind of that answer to Obi-Wan's question of saying 65, that was how many I, I get. Uh, what do I win? <laughs> and then I love when uh, when Anakin says, Oh, you win my respect, and Kiati Mundi's got that real small oh. <laughs> uh, it, and that's great to me for a, a couple of reasons. One, because it is this great thing of Kiati Mundi. Well, I guess the, the big picture thing of it it is Kiati Mundi seeing where Anakin and Ahsoka are coming from, right? Anakin and Ahsoka yeah. are presented again and again in these episodes and throughout the Clone Wars is uh, unconventional. Yeah, and the other Jedi are always concerned about it, and this is one of those great moments of Kiady mundi going like, "Oh, I get why you do this. It's yeah. to help cope and to help give you a sense of control." But then, even within that, Kiady Monday like honestly thinks like, "What you're going to get a basket of Jogan fruit? What?" <laughs> you thought there was an actual gift uh and then you yeah. get that b- beat of uh of respect from obi-wan of saying yeah mm-hmm. that's that's anakin's respect is a is a gift that he rarely bestows it's just mm-hmm. great kind of obi-wan poking but also i feel like an admission from obi-wan of like okay okay i can see it you're you're using uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of humor and a little bit of uh humanity give yourself uh, a sense of control to cope with the chaos
3: Love it. And it's a great Chianti moment because this is, uh, you know, this is the what about the uh, droid attack on the Wookiees? This is the uh, Dooku is a great guy. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) You know, and and we can poke fun at it. But to see where it just kind of comes from this real not naive, but, you know, just like this really just logical, probably doesn't know how to tell a joke (laughs) type of guy. It all kind of made sense to me in this moment of him just like, oh, I shall play too. (laughs) <laughs> what do I win for this contest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. Uh, what what do you, what's the next idea that you have? Well, it goes to actually to Kiati Mundi at one point says uh, there's no such thing as luck, and I I just built off that, and it's a great kind of uh, you know we've heard that before in Star Wars and and all those kind of things, but I I, t- I tied it back to the the stated moral and 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 what we discussed up there. A belief in yourself in the face of chaos that's, that might lead to survival, success, and all those kind of things. But, you know, we got no planning uh, or all the planning you can have, all the training, any skills you can rest back on, you know, that you think can get you through the chaos. Go out the window, and it's the focus, which Jedi need focus, and it's the belief in yourself in the moment that spoke to me here. The the, the mission uh, is part of the Jedi mandate to, quote, restore order to the galaxy There was literally no order in this episode. (laughs) It's chaos. And the real world coach Ken thing is actually director Ken thing back in my old public safety days. You know, we'd have 220 page manuals on what to do in an earthquake. And you'd have to study and train. And I wrote a lot of them, this and that. And I would, in my training sessions, sessions, hold up the the folder, the, the binder and say, none of this matters when it hits. That earthquake hits and it's sizable and we have to react as a public safety team. None of these pages will matter to you. It's you knowing what to do in the situation, being familiar with them and taking everything you can from it. But in that moment, it's you that's mm-hmm. going to get. It. And I, I saw this episode it was just like, that's, this is an emergency response plan binder being tossed out the window at the moment they go into, uh, onto geodesis. And, uh, that was kind of so. Again, going to the theme of of that belief, it isn't just a wink in the mirror, like I said. It is it is knowing and, and, and pulling through in the face of overwhelming odds. The overwhelming odds that we all face every day in life, which is why it connected uh, from war in space to you at your desk.
2: Yeah, no, that makes big sense to me, and is one of the things that I liked in these episodes. Is uh, we've got all of these moments where I think that we are seeing Anakin and Ahsoka through Mm -hmm. other characters eyes but partially what we're seeing is different jedi sort of defined by their tactics of Mm. how are they getting through uh this chaos and this horror and Mm -hmm. i think in particular in that first episode you know you pulled out that great quote of there is no such thing as luck it's a familiar jedi refrain but this is you know it that has practical implications when the plan falls apart and you still need to get from point a to point b to try to pull the plan back together and I love that there's that moment where we get to see that Anakin and ahsoka mm-hmm. generally lean on you know blunt uh straightforward attack uh, improvisation all that uh it's gonna come up more in the uh, episode with luminara and Barris but Adi Bundy is just like I will just follow my instincts uh let's go into this horror cave
3: <laughs> yeah
2: uh, because I just you know, I. that's how I get through is I follow my instinct and like that moment for me is really goes back to that moral of believe in yourself or no one else will of like Anakin and Ahsoka have their own way to get through this and right. another Jedi might have their a, a different way. But Mundi is about trusting his instincts. He's about like, mm-hmm. yes, I've mm-hmm. read I've read the Jedi manual and now it is a is it is a part of me. It's somewhere deep in my soul and I don't need yeah. to remember uh, which chapter or which tab. Uh, this is, uh, it, it, it's it's internalized. Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's really powerful of seeing a different way and a different uh, approach. And I think Obi-Wan doesn't get to <laughs> uh, have a lot of definition because he mostly just gets wounded, poor Obi-Wan. But even within that, we see uh, that he's patient and observant, that he is letting his clones do their work, protecting him while he's wounded, in that, yeah. you know, great uh, circular caravan. And he's just like, hey, I did the plan as best as I could. I'm here at the rendezvous point. Uh, mm. The other Jedi should be here. Patience and uh, observance uh, of what's going on, you know. So even though it's not a lot of Obi-Wan, One, is still a little bit of his, how does he get through this?
3: mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I like I that. I, I, I can always rely on you to give some good Obi-Wan. <laughs> Even when there's not a ton to work with uh, in this yeah, episode. Yeah. But there, there is some
2: great Obi-Wan stuff. Yeah. Um, another big idea for me, uh, under the just the general umbra- umbrella of Coping with War, is uh, I feel like these big Star Wars ideas of loss track through both episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really great to have a kind of a different flavor of Anakin wrestling with loss when there's that great yeah. moment where he gets angry about Obi-Wan not being there and has that line of great. The one time I actually asked Obi-Wan for help, he's nowhere to be found. And at first you're like, damn Anakin. And then Ahsoka kind of comes in with her worry and fear for Obi-Wan. And Anakin's just basically like, uh, no, I just, we, we can't think about him or we're not going to be able to move forward. So yeah, we know that Anakin cares about Obi-Wan, but this is such a great uh, moment for me because it is depicting Anakin coping with loss in a different way because we see him coping with the the fear of loss by just getting very, you know, assertive and aggressive of, you know, I'm going to do anything possible. There's no way I'm going to lose them. I won't allow it. That even happens later in this arc, uh but in mm-hmm. this moment, it's uh Anakin has a different relationship to Obi-Wan, so he expresses his fear of losing Obi-Wan by blaming
3: Obi-Wan for going
2: off and dying. <laughs>
3: Oh man, I have that. I have that gut reaction sometimes too. It's it's important thing, it, 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 you know, to not fall anakin down that path. Uh, yeah. Where sometimes if something goes wrong, uh, I might lash out at at the person who had nothing to do with it, but was you know it was an accident or oh my god or the dog got off the leash and I what what did you do that for as opposed to dealing with the dog is off the leash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And I know nobody meant
2: to do that. Uh, yeah. And then, obviously, there at the end of that uh, second episode, we get some more uh, very traditional. Uh, at this point in the Star Wars story, Anakin's inability to accept uh, mm-hmm. loss, with him being unwilling to leave Ahsoka behind, Anakin being upset yeah. that Luminara is seems to very quickly be able to accept Varys' death. Uh, not as Luminera herself says, not just be okay with it; she will mourn, but she will also celebrate. But it is very emotionally detached in comparison. Uh, to Anakin and then Luminara has that very important line of when the time comes I'm prepared to let my student go can you say mm-hmm. the same and I love mm-hmm. highlighting that line which I'm sure you you, yeah. you did as well mm-hmm. um, but it's just when you there's so many different ways to look at the Clone Wars series and you can look at it as the story of how Ahsoka Tano almost helped uh, keep yeah. Anakin on the side of the light and yeah. the first uh, the the movie that starts this off uh, well not chronologically but you know what I mean yes. Uh, the very early movie that introduces us to Ahsoka that's really Yoda's explanation right of mm-hmm. uh, I think Yoda basically says like I think Anakin will actually be a really good teacher and it'll be really helpful for him to pass on what he's learned it'll be helpful for him to learn to be concerned about somebody else but the real test is can he let her go so yeah. to have that really important arc that comes up again in, in season seven, of course. At the end, um, mm-hmm. it's really important to have a sort of pillars along the way in the story for it that to be reinforced, as that is one of the central questions of the Clone Wars.
3: Yeah, th- this idea of of trust uh, is this gift to give. Uh, it's it, it also ties into the episode we just talked about last week with the stuff with Padme. Uh, to me and 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 it's this idea of trust is uh, giving trust is a way of letting go right it's a way of just I, I have to trust that you will do this and you will come back safe and unharmed or the job will get done i cannot control this i cannot control you in this matter it's it's i got to give it all to you and and for him to there's some real great stuff up top of a uh, of ahsoka just being like you don't trust me and, and and it's clear that he it's not his belief in her skills it's just you know to let her go, to let her do it. To, it, it I love how it all flows in the, the big Anakin lessons, like you're saying here. It, it's really powerful stuff. And I I, I wanted to even ask you here, and it's kind of part of the larger kind of uh, Star Wars story. But you know, at the end of this, you know, it, Anakin wins in a way. Mm-hmm. He, he saves the day, and it's this. It's a it's not a false win in that moment. He, he saves barris and Ahsoka, but it's a false win maybe in his mind for the big picture. Of C. you don't let go you know but it's like uh and, and, and it's like well yeah, yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right but that, think of the conversation right before that and, and you know and again, again in, in the moment you don't know what he doesn't know where he's going to end up but you can see it slip and you can see one of these moments where he's probably looking back and talking or thinking about what Palpatine's saying and going yeah yeah you're right yeah I can't let, I can't let Padme go that's not good I I I've I've not done that in the past and it's turned out real well
2: yeah Yeah, no, this is such a great uh, part of the big Star Wars question that I think is always present but affects Anakin uh, so much is that question of are attachments a a strength or a weakness? And Mm -hmm. I think this episode has um, great nuance on that question because I think this is an example where attachment was a strength uh, Mm -hmm. and the Jedi don't normally see it that way. And Mm Luminara is right to uh, question him about the future. But in this moment, Anakin isn't, you know, he's not attacking anyone over attachment. Like we see him at several points in the Clone Wars, we'll we'll see him uh, use excessive violence or, you know, literally (laughs) beat people up over over jealousy with Padme. This is so portrayed in this episode that, to me, that Luminara is being too emotionally cold, in that she doesn't have a true emotional attachment with Barris. that it's much more of a, a master student, I gave you your homework, did you do a good job, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll give you an A or an F. And what makes Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship powerful and special and what we get to see, I think, through the other Jedi, uh, Jedi's eyes is that it is a very deep loving relationship and in Anakin's insistence to not let her go the episode ends on the beat of they their trust is a strength that Anakin that here's the actual uh, you know uh, exchange is uh, Ahsoka says I knew you'd come looking for me and Anakin says I never doubted you for a second and Luminara Mm -hmm. is nice about it and says indeed your master never lost faith in you right you know and it completes the little arc in in this episode about Anakin starts by interrupting Ahsoka, not because he doesn't believe in her skills, but because he's afraid that something might go wrong. He's trying to control the situation as he always does. Uh, But then when Ahsoka truly gets into trouble and he looks into his heart, it's not that he can't, it's not just that he can't bear to lose her. It's that he knows how resourceful she is. And she knows how um, loyal and kind he is. And it's the, that appreciation of one another that allows them to, you know, rescue, uh, to, mm-hmm. to have Ahsoka and Barris be rescued. So I kind of feel like this is a moment where it, an episode that is saying, look, the Jedi have a right to be concerned about fear and attachment, but mm-hmm. sometimes like Luminara and Barris." they can take that too far and they can get cold and removed. And sometimes yeah. love and trust and faith and loyalty are good things and they don't need to be feared just because they might lead to darkness.
3: Oh yeah. Oh, I love what you're saying. Uh, standing up in class and applauding because uh, remember what we we're talking about last week of this idea. I really look at Padme and Anakin uh, and and their relationship uh forbid as it was but they weren't given the chance to deal with any real problems because it was all secret and not allowed and blah, 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 and, and it just spills out of things so what you what you say, and I, I know we've talked about this before about this idea of uh you know, attachment uh, which compassion all, all in and of itself even even uh, anger not unnatural and not necessarily wrong it's the choices that you make after those it's pretty powerful and and to, to what you just said of luminari is an example of uh you know it's definitely preparation versus, uh, you know, outside the lines. It's, that's the basic coast coaching lessons there. Um, but the idea of just like, look, you, you can hold, withhold of that plan until your death. Um, pretty powerful stuff there. So yeah, I, I you know, I, lo- I love, discussing it. I'll, I'm not, take the conversation into a hodgepodge world of <laughs> no that's fine
2: that's fine yeah i think it is just such a, a great and lovely moment and again it's it's uh i think it's having respect for like uh nuance as well because it isn't like other moments for anakin where the battle he's really needed in the battle mm-hmm. somewhere else and he's turning his back on uh, on a bigger greater good like you know the the uh, moment from Attack of the Clones where he wants the ship to be put down, and Obi Wan is saying like, "I need you to take Dooku," and this isn't what Padme would want. Like, it's not one of those moments. It's just mm-hmm. faith that she could have survived. and Luminaire is like, "Maybe, but probably not." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I love what you were saying. This is the last big thing that that I wanted to talk about. uh, this kind of this idea of the different Jedi being defined by their tactics. I loved how much that comes to a head in the second episode of that Anakin and Ahsoka are presented in almost a comic way. Of We get, we see them bickering, and Luminar says to Barriss, like, oh, they're at it again. Uh, let's just say they have a penchant for playing loose with regulations and rules of command. And and it, it is the contrast is almost comedic that Anakin and Ahsoka are like, great, we've got a plan. There's a bridge. We're going to run across it and kick everybody's yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah. It's so blunt and direct. And then Luminar is like, Instead, what if we went underground through a twisty maze that we have rigidly memorized? <laughs> Just oh, the, the yeah. like contrast between their literal battle plans is like almost so sharp it's funny.
3: Yeah, well, and, and you know, and uh, Luminara, uh, who I, I think is a great Jedi, uh, by the way, uh, though has in the, has shown that she's made some mistakes. Uh, looking in the, even at season seven, it's so interesting to, to uh, she's involved, but um. This I, 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 I love the moment where she's like, uh, 200 miles of, of catacombs and tunnels," which I've had Barris memorize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! And look what happens to Barris. Look what happens to Barris. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, the the groundwork's here.
2: Yeah, the, this contrast it, it, it gets set up and then it gets played out by the specific actions. And you know, there's all this stuff about the the loss and the trust. But there's uh, this specific contrast between this set of uh, master and apprentice that is about, I think, uh, being rigid versus being flexible. I think it is about Mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, the balance between uh, being professional, doing your homework, being prepared versus that stuff's all great. You need that, but you need to have some flexibility. You need to have some ability to improvise. Um, And that is so what's shown is like, yep, Anakin and Ahsoka can be, uh, you know, really blunt, really direct, uh, really messy in their style of uh, combat and communication, but they're really mm. creative and capable of improvisation, and it saves the day. And Luminera and Barris are very rigid, very specific. Uh, they have a plan that they've pre-memorized, that's it, and they have a hard time adjusting uh, when the plan goes wrong, you know? And uh, yeah. we see that moment where Barris is... Directing Ahsoka through the tunnels, and they realize that they are uh, filled with uh, with Geono- with sleepy Geonosians. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> beautiful and terrifying. And yeah. she and Ahsoka's like, maybe we should try going a different way. And Barriss is like, No, we have to go the way I've memorized. Period. You're like, there's no room for improvisation. Uh, yeah, Anakin improvises when he draws those super tanks under the bridge, and then is like, What are you doing? He's like, it, You know, it, it, I'm being in the moment and looking at the situation and changing my plan, and it works. Um, yeah. And even though Ahsoka, you know, gets knocked around uh, once they're in the foundry trying to take it out, and you know, Barris does the, the smart and uh, you know adjusting to the situation move of of jumping into the tank and taking it over, it's still Ahsoka who thinks of using the tank. You know, yeah. And Barris is focusing like, well, what are we going to do? The bombs are gone. That was the plan. Period. And Ahsoka's like, we're sitting in a tank. <laughs> and then even even at the end there, you know, uh, it's not just that that. Trust that loyalty. Ahsoka shows again uh, an ability to improvise that she learned from her master when she gets that cell battery and she does this mm-hmm. trick that she learned uh, from her techie master uh, that she yeah. knows will reach him. You know, they're improvising and they're connecting and mm-hmm. in a way that Luminar and Barris can't when they're just focused on
3: uh, mm-hmm. precision. It's uh, so the big picture stuff of of the Jedi Order at this time on display in this episode. Uh, no, no, no direction bad in and of itself, but just you can see it. Wow, I'm, I'm listening to you talk just like going you could see the stuff in Revenge of the Sith. You can see what happens with Barris. You see it all here on display in this episode and you gotta wonder if George was kind of like, you guys are all great. The fighting's wonderful. Give me this stuff because this is what I'm trying to tell you all. I love it, and 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 this is so. The featurette. I, this is a great time to jump it in here. The one of the, uh, um, it's it's a funny kind of uh, almost uh, wink and nod conversation. But Dave Felotti's talking about how Barris, uh, who is who is a, a a doesn't really know what to do, that the plan type of person, uh, cuts the wall in a perfect rectangle, mm. and it is you know angled. It's perfect, and he goes off into a conversation a funny conversation about it. i wonder how they train that because ahsoka does the circle you know we've seen the circle qui-gon does a circle everyone does a circle barris does this hospital square sheet folded <laughs> rectangle 90 and degree angles rectangle. yes and uh, yeah you're a graphic design uh, guy you know that you know and it's like and 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 feloni's just in this feature again recommend you all check it out of just like you know <laughs> like where did she learn that and And what does it mean, and clearly it means a lot, and I love little choices like that, and how that's you know someone who's master who I don't know i'm saying i 'm saying is a mean, bad you know uh, master, but it's just like study all two hundred miles of those catacombs, this and that, cut perfect angles, stay within that box, you can see it all on display there and i I just love that
2: yeah and and does that style of teaching allow Luminara a little bit more emotional distance? Because, like, what she's saying isn't bad. Of like, well, if I if if I were to lose Barris, I would of course mourn her. I would be sad, but then I would also celebrate her. And like a, a lot of the things that we talk about of you know accepting loss and letting go, and the lesson that Yoda is trying to give Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. That stuff is all good, uh, but it does feel like there it is lacking emotion. And and I feel like. Mm-hmm. What this is, this is one of these episodes to me that is about, you know, the idea of balance comes up a lot in Star Wars and it's not just what is the balance of the force. I think that is mm-hmm. often the criticism of the Jedi of, look, you need to practice, you need precision, you need to, to go to your example, you need to memorize that uh, emergency preparedness manual. But you also need to be able to question it. And you also need to be able to throw it out the moment it doesn't help you anymore. And I think a lot of times the story of the Jedi's failure in this era is they tilted way, way, way to that rigid side. Mm-hmm. Of it. We've got this because it's in the handbook. And I mm-hmm. think this is one of those episodes that's saying like, but you need creativity. You need improvisation. Uh, you need yeah. what Anakin and Ahsoka can offer. Yes, it can be dangerous and we'll cover that too. But you also this is an episode to me about balance between the rigid and the organic.
3: This episode could be summed up by page turners. They were not. Yes.
2: <laughs> nice. Um, any other sort of uh, any other themes from this episode or uh, any other kind of big picture, the way they reflect the larger story
3: perspective of star Wars. Uh, yeah, we, t- I'm going to roll through a little bit of, uh, by the way, the, the way you and I approach notes is often you know, a good mix. <laughs> <We have> notes, <laughs> let's roll. Down. Uh, we talked about, uh, I want talk about the end result with Anakin. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, Soka. uh, you know, it's, it's kind of this big, the big theme idea that Ahsoka's you know, worried about Anakin. Um, tells her there's no place to worry that that great scene about the, the the um Obi-Wan and you know Anakin being upset at Obi-Wan but also just kind of it's about that Jedi focus and uh, we have to talk about uh, Jedi need focus the, you know focus determines the reality concentrating on the here and now uh Yoda and his uh, seagulls stop it please Kane hitting Luke on the head is all <laughs> about that you know and it's and to me it's um it's that self-belief it all funnels back into self-belief for success under dis- duress um, which is they're all tools for battling fear. And fear is, uh, is something that's prevalent. It's a great enemy for the Jedi. We're starting to see that uh, in High Republic stuff of everything. So I love that little stuff. And that kind of reflects kind of this bigger uh, Star Wars thing, but also on a, on a base level here. And you feel free to follow up on that train of thought as I just <laughs> barf all over the bridge here, trying to take out the tanks. Uh, Just on a larger story perspective of the actual war, because this is a war episode, the the opening uh, Tom Kane newsreel. You always are great to point out, Joseph, that you check that. It's setting the setting some context, it's setting some tone, and giving valuable bits of information. The separatists are gaining confidence. Mm. They are not just in the outer rims struggling to gain a foothold. They are winning and they're gaining confidence. And that ties to me back to what you brought up about Palpatine going, oh, let me take some notes here. All right, I'll just send that to Poggle right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, th- those are two great threads. Uh, I will follow up uh, on <laughs> yeah. both. But the the first one, I think you're really uh, right to pull out that thread of control is much like attachment control can be a strength or a weakness. And mm-hmm. that's one of Yoda's direct uh, lines to uh, Luke, right? Control, control, you must learn control. <laughs> and then Luke goes on to learn the absolute hell out of control. And mm-hmm. and it becomes over time rigid and a weakness. And, and I, that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. details of Luke's appearance in the Mandalorian where he's just all about training. Like Grogu okay. won't be safe until he's trained. And, you know, by the time yeah. we catch up with him in Last Jedi he is just it was it was certain that he could train uh ben solo and and yoda eventually has to come back again and say oh yep you learned mastery you learned it real well maybe a little too well you know yeah. throw out the handbook you know improvise and and then he does in the most great amazing way on crate so love that thread uh mm-hmm. great to pick up on mm-hmm. um for following the 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 big picture of the war, yeah, this was so great because, yeah, it made it clear that the Jedi and the Republic are spread thin and planets that they kind of had on lockdown were starting to pop back up again. So it's starting to paint that picture that the war is went from, okay, they're trying to control the outer rim, so we're going to go defend planets on the outer rim. Okay, we did okay at some of those. We lost some of those. Now the the planets that we had locked down other places in the galaxy are falling apart, so it's real... Uh, one step forward, two steps back. And I love that Obi-Wan directly has this line of what I worry about is the way this war seems to be drawing out with no end in sight. And he is yeah. stroking his beard, painfully mm-hmm. close to the truth. Uh, and and it—that that is just one of those little lines that can just go like, yeah, no, that's a that's a good thing. Totally understandable thing for Obi-Wan mm-hmm. to say. But it is continuing this story of the Jedi jump into this war going, well... We don't want a war but you know but we also don't want to assert control over the legitimate government and the vote didn't go the way we wanted they raised an army we're being attacked by these separatists we need to defend the galaxy and let's end this war real fast and then the war won't end and then Mm -hmm. pretty soon they're just mired in being a a a cycle of conflict rather than this defense that can end it quickly Mm -hmm. to see that come up right away in the second season that Mm-hmm. Already, there's lots of discussion about when what to do or what not to do based on how quickly it will end the war. And yeah. Obi Wan going, Yeah, it looks like that goal of ending the war is slipping out of sight entirely, right?
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, great Obi Wan beard stroking,
2: <laughs> absolutely. And then, uh, just to, to back up what we're saying, uh, yeah. if people haven't watched the episode recently, you know, we get this great scene where they're making this uh, three pronged attack uh, plan in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And Palpatine's there and he's at one point, you know, he i can't remember exactly what he says, but he kind of questions like, are you are you sure about this? And then the Jedi push back and he's like, "Okay, no, I won't question the strategy of the Jedi. And it really reminds you that they are constantly giving all of their battle plans to Palpatine and he must just be. Maybe there's tactics to it. Maybe he mm-hmm. has like a flower, and he's just like, "This plan, I'll interfere with. This this plan, I won't interfere with." Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, But then we get the direct follow up where Cody says to a grievously wounded Obi Wan, "The enemy was more than prepared for our attack, sir. They knew our every move." So right. the episode doesn't hit you over the head with it, but it's real clear that Palpatine just got on the holophone with the uh, with the oceans. Like, by the way,
3: they're going to do this three pronged attack. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Again, I and I joke up top of how you know, not that I missed it, but uh, you know, I can again narrow focus on these big things. But yeah, that wreck stuff. That uh, great to tie to that of just. Uh, and and I, I'm with you. I think Palpatine. It, it it's he's he's. When do I you know do I lay out candy or take the candy? <laughs> what do I do? I got to play. It's all part of this uh, phantom menacing that he's got going on. Of just like sometimes he's probably like you know I'll just let Poggle. Do defend himself and see what happens other times boggle email regarding tactics
2: <laughs> yep yep and it's just great to see because it's not a thing that i have focused on a lot in my various viewings the moments where he just directly puts his uh his thumb on the scale of war and provides information there's <laughs> that episode early in uh, the first season where he just tricks padme into danger you know um mm-hmm. and it's this is a great another mm-hmm. one to see like no he just he just straight up sold out uh, yeah. The Jedi, and I think, has a lot of faith in the Chosen One that Anakin won't die, but hopefully, pain in the ass, Snarky Obi-Wan will. Yeah. Wow, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we're going to, uh, unless you have any other uh, big picture thoughts, we're going to take a
3: quick break. Anything else? No, no. Lovely big picture thoughts, but uh, let's talk about Y-Wings.
2: Yeah, all right. We will be right back to talk about Y-Wings and comedy. Back in a moment.
0: Yeah.
2: Back to finish our discussion of these two great episodes, Geonosian War of the Clone Wars. Let's talk action moments. These were some big, big action-heavy episodes. Uh, Did you have some favorite moments? Oh,
3: sir, did I have some favorite moments. Let me just start running through. Now, um, yeah, hey, look, I said Y-Wings. There's this one shot, man, of the Y-Wings taking off banking into action and it is one of those small moments that just makes me love star wars just pure action uh, kind of a uh, newsreel war footagey for sure lucas was probably like like do it like this do it like this uh, i love that um it just the the you know nothing there's nothing against arc 170s so i love those the x-wings in, in the future i love just the y-wings just speak to me those clunky yet beautiful beasts lumbering into action i love that shot
2: yeah, there's there's so much to pick out of that initial uh, attempt at landing, but I think just kind of the the early parts of it where it's just clearly right away it's uh, it's a hellscape trying to land there. Um, mm-hmm. a couple things that I really like seeing is uh, part of what I love about those Republic gunships, the uh, the LLATs, the L A A Ts, is that w- the weird little bubble turret that, that can mm-hmm. fire in any direction and there's some great shots. Of that thing, you know, rolling around with that poor exposed, <laughs> or at least yeah. feeling exposed uh, clone in there. Uh, there's mm-hmm. that. There's a moment that is. Uh, it's not. Uh, I, it, it could risk verging on darkly comic, but to me, it really gets to the chaos in a visceral way. Where there's some uh, some gene oceans firing at one of the yeah. gun, gunships, and the clone says, "Good thing those bugs can't aim." And that, you know those <laughs> bugs definitely gets to that feeling of of troops on the ground and and yeah. you know having derogatory terms for <laughs> the mm-hmm. people you're fighting, but then immediately explodes. Yeah. Just yeah. immediately under like that, that grade of like, we're trying to build up our energy and and have bravado of like, yeah, we're going to, and then it's, it's random chaos and it's horrible. And then immediately explodes, you know?
3: Yeah, definitely. And a lot of that, there's saving private Ryan influences. There is black Hawk down influences in this episode. A lot of those shots, all the things you're talking about, uh, the behind the shoulder of the genos and a fire in it. It's, it's, it's weird. again. We're just say great. I get it. It's war, and this episode deals with the horrors of war. But just uh, it's in terms of just filmmaking, it was fascinating to just see all that on display. And especially season two. Uh, you know the budget. I don't know a lot of it's out of Georgia's pocket, if I remember correctly. Uh, but you know they're still trying to figure it all out. It isn't. You know season seven looks you know different style. You know different style of animation, but just you can tell a little more money in it, right? A little more tech, a little yeah. more. They know what doing. And and this season two is still early on. And there's a lot on the screen. There's a lot of money on the screen. I mean, in a good way of just what's what's being presented.
2: Oh yeah, just the the sheer uh, scope and volume of it. Of like that's that's horrific war. Um, yeah. I also just really love the design, the Geonosian starfighter. This just mm-hmm. vicious little dagger with a bubble. It uh, <laughs> in the middle. It uh, continues to uh, you know uh, build on the great aesthetic of the Geonosians.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: What are some other moments for you?
3: Uh, the, the LATs, the LAATs approaching, uh, Genosha Geonosian, uh, uh, battlegrounds there, uh, capture the, some of the best vibes of the, uh, battle of Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. Some of my favorite shots for that movie. They're not like necessarily the same shots, but just the the vibe is there. I yeah. love those vehicles there. And then around that same sequence there, I, it's just flack in Star Wars is awesome. I'm not saying it doesn't belong or there's science that, you know, this isn't magnets and bombs and all those kind of <laughs> things. but it's just, it's so, I'm a big fan of the, of the movie Memphis bell. I think I've mentioned that before here on, on four center, but just that the flack, the old world war two bombers facing flack from the ground. It just, it's, 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 it was, I just liked it in that, in that, in that war film kind of way. Uh, yeah. I can't be mentioning it. I like that one. Yeah. That's a great one.
2: Um, Another thing I loved in this episode is just the the whole uh, Geonosian Geon cave of horror that Kiari Mundi <laughs> says, trust me, this is where to go. And the way it immediately goes so viscerally wrong of not just that there are Geonosians in there, but that they just pick up that clone and take him yeah. to who knows what horrors up in the mm-hmm. darkness. You know, it's just it's such a great way to illustrate that feeling mm-hmm. of um We were talking about up at the top of, you know, not all tactics work the same in all places because there are different cultures, different weapons, different species. And the Geonosians, you know, have a way of fighting that just messes uh, with the Jedi and the troopers. And just Mm that, you know, it's thrilling and horrifying of just like, well, that trooper's gone. They just picked him up and flew away with him.
3: No, and I'll tell you what—it reminds me slightly of uh, some of the stuff uh, in, in any movie, you know, Game of Thrones, the the Long Night, or Return of the King. Some of the longer battle sequences. Sometimes it's it's wise to kind of break them up into their own little genres. And to that one, suddenly go into horror, straight horror, it worked really <laughs> well for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, and as always, I love the sound and the aesthetic of the uh, Gen Ocean Sonic Blaster. That it's a right? different kind of weapon than just the
3: the traditional pew pew pew. Oh, I love that. Great. Um, well, it was for me. I love the tossing Rex down. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Uh,
2: yeah, it's so sudden and so funny. And it is partially like Anakin and Ahsoka being so on the same page that they kind of do it together. And Ahsoka says up in a way. it. But it also is sort of like, well, this is the chaos and creativity of working with uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. And I
3: love that it, the, that button of Rex just saying,
2: next time just tell me to jump.
3: <laughs> Isn't there, what is it? Was its it Commander Cody that's like uh, a previous couple episodes of a lot of uh, Anakin's uh, strategies involve crashing or falling or Involving, whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Uh, this is a sort of uh, almost uh,
2: anti action beat, but it is a gift that shows up uh, among uh, Obi Wan Kenobi connoisseurs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always forget it's from this episode. But when right before they're rescued and obi-wan has been he's being protected by the clones but geonosian reinforcements are coming he's clearly wounded but he gets that grimace of like i need to fight through through this no matter what and ignites his blade and tries to start standing and then uh, sees mm-hmm. that the the republic reinforcements are there it's such a great obi-wan shot and just yeah the picture of that of like i'm letting the clones fight for me uh oh, things are turning, and no matter how much pain or how wounded I am, I gotta get up and get in this. Mm, great stuff. Yeah,
3: yeah. Anything else for you? <clears throat> a couple uh, there was a little uh, the roll uh, the rolling droidica attack party is what I'm calling it. I just uh, I've always loved the design of the of the uh, destroyer droids um, from the moment I saw them. Phantom Menace and on that was when I one of the you know when I would secretly love those movies more than I admit. That was the those. <laughs> I just love the design, love the sound, love the vision. And so whenever they show up, they, I love little sequences with them. And then the uh, final one for me actually is Barrison and, and Ahsoka's sacrifice is a big kind of superhero-y action moment. You know, a lot of weight, a lot of depth, a lot of tension, and uh, well done. Just well done sequence.
2: Yeah. Um, a couple more uh, from me. The uh, the flamethrowers. Um, oh, Yeah when peaceful let's uh let's follow my intuition Caddy mundy turns around is like bring out the flamethrowers it's it's truly it's that it's those moments that are like this is both thrilling because it's safe imaginary conflict i'm watching on a screen but it's also you know Mm -hmm. horrifying if you spend more time with it and uh and then anakin and i believe anakin and ahsoka are, are finding him to rendezvous and they just see burning oceans burst out of a cave and like yeah. i guess we found him it's it's pretty dark it's you know <laughs> but you know uh thrilling as these action yeah. moments are uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, go ahead no
3: no no yes yeah, so, yeah great agreement there for sure
2: uh, and then in the second episode uh there's just a couple little fun great moments there's a lot of big explosions uh mm-hmm. but i like i like it whenever you see the jedi use the force uh because i think sometimes in clone wars it can get a little bit too much of the Jedi just in front blocking blasts. And I like it when we see a little bit more creative moves. Uh, There's this very fast move where Luminara picks up one of the battle droids with the force while she's cutting down another and uses that battle droid as a shield from blasts, Yeah, (laughs) which is uh, at different points in Bioshock games once you get the ability to pick something up. Always my favorite thing to do is to just pull something in front of myself and let people shoot it. (laughs) Smart. Smart. Yeah. 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 And then my final one is a action tension beat. But man, when uh, Barris and Ahsoka are making their way through the catacombs in that sleeping Geon Ocean just uh, its hand flaps mm. onto Barris's head. That's so mm. great. Mm-hmm. Horror. Straight horror sequence. Straight horror. So a ton of great actions. A job well done on mm. the uh, the thrill and the horror being shown there. Did you have favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness?
3: Oh yes, I did. Uh, I do love when Luminara says to uh, Anakin, "I love your simple logic, Skywalker." Just, <laughs> she just uh, straight up laughs at him. Yeah, what is that? It's uh, it's Livia Diabo, uh, the sister from Wonder Years. If you're in our generation, exactly. I, doing some great voice work there. I uh, love that one. Um, I um, love Ahsoka taking time in war to mock Anakin for ignoring her device on the wall. Just, again, they're kind of their how they survive and the relationship. Just a fun moment of just like everything, everything going on around her, and she's got to make a great point of just like you didn't, you didn't ignore my advice.
2: I love that moment. You remember when I pointed this out? Yeah, and I, uh, one of my favorite lines I wrote down there as well. This is another fine mess you've gotten us into, <laughs> which is you know Ahsoka Tano directly quoting uh, Oliver Hardy of Laurel and Hardy, which is <laughs> it's just another one of those points too. There's so much in Clone Wars that that could have come from a fan of, of any generation, uh, but it's got a a Lucas uh, flavor to it of like, remember these episodes are pulling, you know, not just from uh, Kurosawa and Leone, they're pulling from all sorts of different kinds of entertainment from the the 30s to the 50s. And and you see these little moments of homage to specific uh, comedians. And I mean, that is just, that's, that's that was his line, you know. This is another fine mess you've gotten us into, you know. If Ahsoka had had a little bowler hat, she could have smashed it in frustration <laughs> and went. Mm. I
3: I love that you said. That. I I I, um, I had three VHS tapes of the best of Laurel and Hardy growing up. I don't know <laughs> how why it was ended up in my parents' uh, collection, but I used to watch them all the time on Saturday mornings, and uh, yeah, that's great. Love that you pulled
2: that. I absolutely love Laurel and Hardy. So that was really great to hear Ahsoka quoting <laughs> Hardy.
3: Uh, other other fun moments for you. Uh Two more that I wrote down here I do love because I do love Poggle the lesser' I, something I've always just uh, the name is so unique and silly to me in that Star Wars way that I've just always over the years become obsessed with him. I love that Poggle goes out to the fight with his cane and kind of you like he's got a tire iron. <laughs> he's not gonna be in the fight. He actually walks away from the fight. But at one point they cut to him and he's in front. He's in the front, just kinda of, saying his poggle words, and he has a K and he's just kinda of like Why i Yada. I just thought that was a funny, weird moment.
2: He does a little a little tap like a like a, a cop in a Mac Sennett movie, right? Like the yeah. with their Billy Club, like, like Why Yah Yada.
3: It it reminded me of like uh, Anchorman and the, all the anchors getting in that street fight. He's just like, what are you doing here? You, you know? He's just, uh, yeah. and then he walks away. He's not going to be there for the fight. But. It, it is a little bit like Poggle the Lesser
2: just walks out there and kind of just like, I want you to know it's me that's about to do
3: this to you. Bye.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, I love that. And then a uh, final one for me to to submit. Uh, I do love uh, uh, Obi-Wan talking about uh, the last time he was here, he was chained up and, uh, you know, creatures try to uh, eat him or kill him. And Commander Cody says, that sounds entertaining, which I was like, is this like a meta commentary on that movie?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I really like just the sort of uh, canonicity of like, yeah, remember, like, we as fans could be like,
3: yeah, it's the planet from
2: Attack of the Clones. Like, you remember the characters went through some stuff there, too, that they might remember in that. Yeah, that full exchange. So good. Uh, last time I was chained to a pole and attacked by several humongous monsters, which to me is hmm. really funny because, like, yeah, we the, the arena scene from Geonosis. But, you know, just processing it from Obi-Wan Kenobi's perspective, that's exactly what happened to him and not a fond memory, I'm sure. And then yeah. the follow up of that sounds entertaining. And then such a great Obi Wan line. It was for it the Oceans <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well. Because it actually was a form of entertainment in their horrific uh, Petronaki arena. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple for me. I definitely had that one. Um, very early in the first episode when palpatine is kind of questioning the uh the jedi strategy and then goes oh i'll leave it to you uh mm-hmm. obi-wan says our thanks chancellor in a very snarky tone which is a great reminder that you know mm-hmm. they they those two don't like each other you know uh, obi-wan doesn't yet realize that they are in a secret battle for the soul of anakin skywalker but they also just they don't like each other <laughs> yeah It's yeah. really fun uh yeah you uh you brought up that great Luminar line, Anakin saying, as long as we can destroy them faster than they can make them, and laughing, I love your simple logic, Skywalker. It's so condescending. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last one for me, because we like to track some of the battle droid pain. Oh, yeah. These are the two battle droids in the, in the tank, in the super tank. One says, our shields are holding, they can't touch us. Another battle droid says, that's a relief. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the continuing story. Uh, I, I, oh, I do love uh, the it's it's a weird moment. It's funny, but it's weird when the strategy droid who I consider, you know, the smarter of the droids is just standing by that tank with a bomb by his head going, ha ha ha. And he blows up like, what are you, idiot? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that that
2: almost reads to me as yet another sort of criticism of uh, rigidity uh, versus improvisation, because Mm -hmm. he can't imagine that Mm -hmm. Ahsoka didn't throw it there to blow up the tank. He's saying the super tank is impervious and then it explodes on him. Like, well, yeah, maybe if you've been looking at the big picture tactical droid, (laughs)
3: loved
2: it. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, Mm. All right, let's move on then to some uh, moments of canon or lore or connections to other stories. I didn't think there is many just sort of like little details or winks or nods myself, um, but I I, I did a little deep dive on reminding myself of exactly kind of where Luminara and Barris is going because, you know, I know the big picture, but I I did some double check-in uh, and I thought that might be fun to discuss what kind of seeds we think are are planted for where Mm. they're
3: going. Um, yeah, no, I, de- yeah, definitely think it's there. Plus the, you know, the Ahsoka and Barris meeting, uh, you know, literally the, the handshake moment here and where, where that goes. So yeah, definitely there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask you just about Luminar's future as a Jedi. We all, so uh, I guess future and past. So there's that episode uh, earlier in the, in the previous season where Luminar is again being kind of wise, but rigid where uh, she is trying to handle uh, Asajj Ventress being loose on a Republic ship, and Ahsoka right. is trying to say, you need help. Ventress doesn't fight fair. She's dangerous. And Luminar says, no, 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 you stay here. Ahsoka breaks the rules and saves uh, Luminar's life. So mm-hmm. it, it seems like Luminar should should be aware that sometimes when Ahsoka uh, bends the rules, it is coming from a place of wisdom, even though she's a Padawan. Um, and then you know, lots of stuff happens with Luminara. But in particular, I think the thing that's made it really interesting to go back to these episodes is uh, the description by uh, the Martez sisters of this mm-hmm. Jedi in uh, uh, with uh, green skin and dark robes. I think all of us have kind of thought is Luma- Luminar and Unduli. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to just read this uh, paragraph I took from Wikipedia that refreshes refreshes me on yeah. those exact details. So uh, the Jedi are it, this is a part of an episode that you know we know the events but i don't we i don't think we exactly saw this we we'll get to that when we get to that episode um the jedi are chasing uh uh zero the hut is uh, zero is trying to escape So uh, this paragraph reads, the Jedi diverted the transport away from a populated landing platform, but in doing so, accidentally caused it to crash into the home of the Martez family. Instead, Rafa and her sister were saved by their parents. Unfortunately, their parents were killed when the transport crashed afterwards. A female Jedi with green skin and dark robes visited Rafa and Trace, but instead of attempting to help the orphan sisters, she told them that she needed to make a choice about the transport and that they shouldn't worry for the force would be with them. The Jedi then departed, leaving Rafa and Trace, who had once regarded the Jedi as heroes, disillusioned and embittered against the Order. Mm. Do you see uh,
3: seeds of that in this episode? 100%. I, I, well, I'm so glad we we're talking about it now and talked about it earlier in the episode of just where Barris ends up, where her view of. Uh... The Jedi order, the constraints, and things uh, that they they've they've done or not done, and that's an example. I remember during season seven, you and I breaking it down. Me, I just kind of being really upset with Luminar in a way, which is not to say that any of the actions taken were were just entirely wrong. They they are tough choices, unless you've been there. Maybe you don't know how you'd make those choices, but it's the follow up. It it's that Star Wars theme uh, of. Things happen, but uh, and some of them are natural, or some of them can't be avoided. But it's what you do after, and and those are the un- unintended consequences on a small scale. So uh, the fall of the Jedi Order to me is is brick by brick from the inside, and that's one of it. Where now you you've affected you 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 know again maybe you could not have affected uh, uh, the moment any differently or, or done anything differently, and but her parents are gone. Their their parents are gone. Excuse me. And, and then you don't, that's it. And you just kind of follow your manual. The force will be with you always. Great. How do we survive? And now those two people don't trust you. And the Jedi Order loses trust bit by bit by bit because holding to a playbook. And I, and I, and I don't fault the playbook. I don't fault the Order. I don't fault uh, the lessons and, and their approach. And I respect the chaos of the moment and what had to happen in your eyes. But what you what do you do after? And you see that here in this episode with L- Luminara. I mean, uh, great lesson, great stuff, powerful lessons to Anakin. If Anakin could listen about letting go and everything, but also, you know, that <laughs> Anakin kind of proves, like you said, that you can go forward. You can choose to to, to do something different in this moment. It uh, maybe hurt some later on. False victory, like I said early. Anyways, kind of rambling, but I I <laughs> I, I, I I get it all. It's there, and and she's a perhaps an example of um, the tragedy, the true tragedy of the Jedi fall. It it came from within and it came moment by moment.
2: I think that's a really great way to describe it of, of of that. Yeah. Palpatine manipulated them, but Mm -hmm. they, they were, he manipulated them into doing some dismantling from inside. Right. Um, And then maybe you could have a discussion about, you know, is this the stress of war? Is this, you know, Anything like that. But yeah. for me, what this is about is it's it's a sort of object lesson in uh, wisdom needs compassion as a companion. Right. Yeah. Because even if Luminara has this very heightened Jedi philosophical that that transport was going to crash, it was going to crash one of two places. Mm-hmm. I, I accept that I can only control so much and what i could control is taking it away from the more populated area and you know the force will will guide us the force will help you accept the loss the force will help you move forward it's all beautiful wisdom but it doesn't help raf and trace without having compassion along the way without coming as you're saying afterwards and Mm -hmm. saying you know i'm so sorry i know how you must feel. Let me help you through it. You know, and even on the practical end, let's. What can we do to help you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, physically, what can we do to help you? Yeah. And it just seems like Luminara has a real failure of compassion at different moments in her career as a Jedi.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I have a real, real world example of a, of a large scale fight uh, I, we, we were all involved in in, in trying to stop. Um, real dangerous uh, thing going on, and we're all rushing to get the fight. And, and one of our guys. Uh, knocks out a 10-year-old kid who was in the way watching the fight. Mm. Uh, knocks him out, like, boom, like like a boxer just down. And, you know, other than puts you in a liable position, but what do you do after at that point? More than just, uh, you know, get up, kid. Sorry about that. But, like, how do you deal with that? How to communicate that? And and with an angry, confused mother and a kid who doesn't know what's going on. Like, I've been in that situation. That's why I was always a little upset. At In a good way, of Luminar, I've just, like, I get what got you there, but you you going forward hurt hurt your cause and hurt your efforts and and uh that's what I, I, I ramble on it i guess
2: yeah no i mean, that that story is so haunting and i think so um mm-hmm. it's a, 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 a painful good real world connection to this um but I think I see the seeds of that that wisdom without compassion in this episode where Every, like we've said at the top, I think everything that she is saying is is good, solid Jedi philosophy about being able to let go. And we know in the in later times, Anakin's not going to be able to let go, and his his good love and trust and loyalty yeah. to Ahsoka is, is, and everybody else is going to curdle into fear of losing them rather than you know love for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's entirely right to be concerned about those dangers. But then she herself is just it feels like she would have a better relationship with Barris if she had more compassion and you get that feeling of that. Yeah. She's not just, you know, and Luminar gets a little defensive. Like I'm not just giving up, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm, but I'm ready to let her go if I have to. But there's just that little bit of like, okay, would, well, you know, would, would Luminar have walked away sooner than she should have Mm -hmm. because she was too ready to embrace the wisdom.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And again, like we talk about a lot, sometimes no clear answer. Yep. Sometimes just strong hunches or directions of choice or deep philosophical questions. And it's to me, it's very clear going into season seven, uh, you know, looking at season seven uh, to, to, to kind of suggest strongly that it's Luminara and then to go back and look at these episodes and to look what goes on with Barris later on. Big points behind it, like big purpose behind those choices.
2: Yeah, yeah. In the next uh, arc we'll have some more quality time with Barriss, but I did uh r- refresh myself on exactly uh, what she says. Uh, spoilers for people who have not watched the the full arc, but uh, uh Barriss ends up being disillusioned with the Jedi, uh and in order to uh get them get their their culpability in the war kind of exposed, she does some horrible things. She uh it uh, plants uh, in a convoluted way a bomb at the Jedi temple and then frames Ahsoka for it and is, uh, you know, kind of instigates the uh, situation in which Ahsoka leaves. And I pulled this quote. This is what uh, Barriss Afi says to the court after Anakin uh, catches her about why she did it. She says, I did it because I've come to realize what many people in the Republic have come to realize that the Jedi are the ones responsible for this war, that we've so lost our way that we have become villains in this conflict that we are the ones that should be put on trial, all of us. And my attack on the temple was an attack on what the Jedi have become, an army fighting for the dark side, fallen from the light that we once held so dear. This Republic is failing. It's only a matter of time. Mm. So uh, much mm. like with Luminar, do, do you
3: see the seeds of that in this uh, this episode that we're discussing? From the moment she walks up, that's there. Uh, you know, from the moment she walks up and... and uh and again, you hear that statement and it can be one of those really maybe, I don't know, comp, comp, complicated, convoluted situations where you hear her words and you go, maybe not wrong. What you did with that is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, again, so you can you can dig in and dig in and dig in. But yeah, for the moment she comes up because it's it's all played for laughs a little bit. Uh, and look, I, I, I'm sometimes a quiet and reserved person. Uh, I, I follow the rules. You know, uh, when my, uh, you know, friends scream too loud in an office, I worry about the office next to us, you know, <laughs> like that's me. Like, don't, <laughs> hey, don't, look. um, uh, timid at times. And, and so Barris comes up and she is very proper, the bow and everything. And, and the great look of Ahsoka kind of like, uh-huh. And Anakin kind of smiling. And it's a fun, fun moment, but, uh, you can just start to see the seeds of just like uh, the, 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 the box, uh, the, the frame is around her and she wants to break out of it and, and uh, cuts that, that perfect rectangle. For a reason. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously in terms of uh, what she did of, uh, I think this is great, as you're saying. It's it's complex because uh, a lot of these criticisms that she's bringing up are things that, in the story of Star Wars, have some amount of validity of that the Jedi have contributed to this war and that they've lost their way and all that. Uh, but obviously, uh, handling that by uh, planting <laughs> yeah. explosives and framing her friend yeah. is not the the best way to deal with those things.
3: Yes, but yes. let me let me be clear. I condone the actions, <laughs> of Aristotle. motivations. Understandable, I uh, be, I say, I, Yeah, sorry, sorry. I yeah. should say 100 correct. I do not condone the
2: action. <laughs> do not condone.
3: Uh, but I, I love just looking at Barris. I think for
2: Luminara, some of this stuff is much more about like what happens when a Jedi is is very confident in their wisdom and kind of mm. can't see that other people need need more than just that that yeah. wisdom. Um, for Barris, I just see like the really human perspective of. You know, not only is she probably, uh, you know, observing all of these things and coming to these opinions and we we got more bear storytelling coming. But just from that very human perspective of my master is kind of uh, cold and rigid and makes me memorize things and is uh, really firm with me. And then I see Anakin and Ahsoka having this caring, loving relationship. And here my master is going like, uh, memorize these catacombs, crawl in there. You might die. But hey, <laughs> you know, Barris went through. I think some like true trauma and fear in this episode, you know, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. So uh, great stuff there. Um, a couple other, uh, canon lore connections. Uh, I love that we see after they throw Rex, Anakin and Ahsoka, uh, catch their own cells falling, uh, mm-hmm. which is what bell Zediphar is trying to learn in light of the Jedi. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah, so it
2: all connects. It all connects. Um, we saw Boyle and Waxer again, and those are the troopers in that Ryloth arc uh, who bonded with uh, Numa, the mm-hmm. Twi'lek, so that was nice to see them up in action again. Um, and then the final, there wasn't, to me, as, as much canon stuff. Uh, Anakin and Rex uh, both quote Jar Jar in my mind when they tell
3: yes. troops, steady, steady. <laughs> I wrote that down too, man. Uh we think we take it alike. Justice for Jardar. Jar Jar. Everybody for steady, steady. He's the one who came
2: up with that. No one else ever said that before, Jar Jar Banks. Uh yeah. any other canon lore connections? Anything you wanted to talk talk about?
3: Yeah, definitely the steady one there. I love that. Uh Anakin loves fighting droids on bridges. We've seen that a ton <laughs> and a love it. That's his go to. Like that's his go to. It's like me and a and a veggie wrap burrito at Del Taco. I'm gonna get that every time and you know it. Anakin's gonna-, gonna fight droids on bridges. You're going to eat it on a bridge. I want to see you eat a Del Taco in a high place. <laughs> Usually in a car before I get home. Uh, the final one for me, a lot, I love the, the art on the uh, uh, the the gunships. is always fun all through the Cold Wars. Uh, but you got the Nexu on Kenobi's uh, gunship with the name Bad Kitty, uh, which, uh, full disclosure, looked it up, uh, was uh, the original kind of concept name for the Nexu when it was being designed. So I love that. I,
2: Yeah, I thought that was an exit. I didn't have time to look it up, so I'm so glad uh, that you can confirm that. And I love that that's the gunship he gets on when it's like, yeah, no, the last time I was there, I was tied to a pole and attacked by humongous monsters, like the one you've painted on the side of this ship. Bad (laughs) kitty. (laughs) Bad kitty. Uh,
3: Was there anything in these two episodes that you disliked or questioned? Uh, There's one thing. It's in story. All right. It's in story. Uh... Kiaty Mundy talks about the war starting at 0700 hours at 7 a.m. And that, for me, is too early for the start of war. <laughs> Move that up. Come on, Kiaty. <laughs> Some
2: of us don't have two brains to wake ourselves up that early in the morning. Uh, yeah, for me, this is just a a, a slight question slash observation. Um, the Clone Wars, it, we talk about a lot, particularly in comparison to, like, rebels. The, mm-hmm. the violence is not... You know, it's not hidden. Uh, people people die, people uh, scream, blow up, all that. Um, and there's something about the Geonosians, including in Attack of the Clones, that I think because they are, you know, these kind of weird insect aliens, there's just, like, a lot more graphic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of just, like, slice them in half. <laughs> yeah. Both in Attack of the Clones and then again in this arc uh, that yeah. I don't think you would see as much, like, um, just, like, Oh, yeah, no, that's a, it's a Twi'lek and uh, just yeah. starting at the head and then going down diagonally, the Jedi cut him in half. Like, you know, it, right. there's something about that that is just always interesting to me of like, because they're, you know, these weird insect yeah. creatures, the, the violence is it, just always a little bit more graphic. I, I, I
3: yeah, I was going to, there's a lot of, lot of that in this ep- these episodes and uh, what does it say about us and our view of bugs? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the only thing for me.
2: Otherwise. These episodes were such great, um, like we said, thrill of war, but also really talking about how do these characters process it? How do they get through it? Uh, how do they, you know, deal with this chaos, find order in it? How do they uh, gather strength uh, from one another uh, without being paralyzed by the fear of losing one another? Mm, yeah. All yeah. good
3: stuff. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, yeah. And actually, I could take a screenshot, so anyone wants to, I, I have this already written down, not based on what Joseph just uh, was saying about the Oceans, but I really think, I, I, and just when you go back either to Attack of the Clones or even some of the levels on Battlefront 2 or reading about uh, more about Poggle and Catalyst, I got to say, and the comics and Rebels and what happened to them, the Oceans to me are, are, are one of the more interesting and unique societies in Star Wars. And yes, you're right, and you, you're often framed as bad guys and there is a a loyalty to dooku that's even addressed in this episode yeah um and it's just fascinating i don't have anything more beyond that but just seeing seeing the catacombs and the way they are the designs and also their intelligence for being the go-to for designers for a lot of this and the battle droids kind of being built in their image in a way um going back to phantom menace I, 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 yeah, I just, I, I, I just want to highlight the gene notions for what it's worth. And, and, and it's, it's interesting that you brought up what you did. It's, it's, uh, I did think that a lot of just, man, they're just getting sliced in two. understandable. It's war. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, I'm not super crazy about bugs either. So maybe it, uh, again, <laughs> seriously, maybe something we do, but I don't know. I just love it. I, um, and it's tragic what happens to them as, as, as a, uh, as a society, as a, as a race, as a, as, a, as a civilization. Um, Another, you know, a bad notch on the Empire's list of horrible actions, Um, but interesting. And and I love uh, I love, oddly enough, spending time on Geonosius, Geonosia, Geonosia. Yeah, spending
2: time on Geonosa,
3: Geonosis with Geonosians.
2: It's a tongue twister. And yeah, we're going to get to do that uh, next time. Uh, we're going to get to dive into even more of their culture, which clearly people like because it does come back in Rebels. It's in yep. comic books. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. all over the place as it should be because it is fascinating. That was the only other thing that I had written down that you mentioned. I like that weird exchange of like the Oceans are very loyal to Dooku. And then uh mm-hmm. adi says that's an overlooked fact. Uh adi the master of overlooked facts. <laughs> 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 um, eh. That just made me want to see like, how does that you know how does that play out to gene oceans just they why do they like dooku so much you know is it is it is that meant to be like a political thing of like the gene oceans are very loyal to dooku because he has this great relationship with poggle the lesser um or is it more that they're just like god he's so cool with the
3: cape yeah (laughs) do they just think he's awesome you know yeah, yeah, hey, maybe Dooku treats them well, and that's all it took. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just
2: ha- I have almost these like Muppet Show flashes of like tall Dooku hanging out with all of these
3: like little short Geonosians, and they're all just having a great time. It's just like the John Denver Muppets Christmas episode. It's totally like exactly. That. It's Charles Grodin exactly. and Muppets uh, 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 Great Muppet Crusade. <laughs> uh, if you could have a
2: figure of any character from these episodes, who would you want?
3: uh i i love uh i i the i don't normally collect troopers in in an army build but the Kiati mundi clone troopers the ones around them, the design it's got kind of a darker beige helmet some yellow on them I really love that design so I'd take some of those and super tanks
2: yeah there's some great great uh clone trooper uh various armor designs absolutely um yeah for myself i uh, i would m- this would maybe be a two pack uh i want that sleepy ocean who slapped their hand. On. Yes, <laughs> Paris' forehead, I would take a sleepy Geonosian. Uh I'd maybe just need to add to my collection a Geonosian because I do love them so much. Uh, and then because I am uh, slowly but surely uh, collecting all of the oddest Obi-Wan action figures, all the most specific, I would love this very specifically injured Obi-Wan. Uh, dirty with uh, cuts on his, uh, on his cheek and holding his side. Poor injured Obi-Wan.
3: Love that. Arm sling Obi-Wan
2: sling obi-wan uh so we're very excited obviously to discuss these episodes but we're e- perhaps even more excited to go into star wars adventure into absolute horror in our next two episodes we're going to be talking about season two episode seven legacy of terror season two episode eight brain invaders hey you remember how we sometimes go on about how star wars is not just all the deep philosophy it is absolute pulp adventure serial One of these episodes is called Brain Invaders, and I can't wait to discuss it. Uh, Ken,
3: what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be? I I wrote this down here. Uh, A podcast, therefore broadcasting, is a combination of exhaustive prep and the willingness to let it all go. (laughs) Uh, I think that is great. Uh, And you want to tell people where they can find us? We'd love to, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Center, and you can get our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Center. once you get a Speculate Responsibly t-shirt just in time for the new Disney Plus shows as news starts to come out about them. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Uh We appreciate your support and that can get you into our wonderful Star Wars community on Discord, a private community for the Force Center supporters. So check that out. You can follow me at CadnapSock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com or over to the GPA.fun, where I'm working on that production company, a digital brand and empire fun over there with Josh Mark and a bunch of wonderful folks
2: that is great yeah check all those things out you can find me twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw you can follow all my other comedy adventures at uh, my website joseph including a show i'm doing this very weekend on valentine's day with my friends the double clicks if you uh, want to find out more info about that comedy variety show you can uh, like i said go to josephsgrimshaw.com and there is a link right there on the main front home page I know how to say internet things but for now uh, for myself for Ken for Kiati Mundi this has been for